Go ahead and turn to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23. We're continuing. We're going to start about verse 33 today, so you can just look at that. We're looking at the Feast of Israel. Why did God give these feasts to the nation of Israel? Well, let me see if I can get it to work. It was to set them apart as a nation. Listen, nobody else had these. It made them unique. Second, it was reminding them of what God had done. In fact, we're going to see what the Feast of Tabernacles is really about and how does it tie in, why would they celebrate it every year. And then it's, all, of course, foreshadow of God's future events. And I think it'll be surprised because we've been seeing God's future events in the book of Revelation. In fact, we're almost to the end. We're seeing the, if you were in the first service, we're seeing the eternal state. We started chapter 21 this morning. There's a lot there. This morning, we're going to look at the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, it's Leviticus 23, uh, verses 33 through 44. There's a lot there, and we'll talk about what they say, what's it all about. During the days of this feast, the Jewish people, now think about this, this is weird, lived outside of their regular homes in lean-tos and temporary dwelling places. Sometimes they would go get branches and things from trees, plop them up against something, and for eight days they lived under that. And we'd say, well, why did they do that? Well, we'll see. It's, it's, it's one of the most joyous fe uh, feasts of Israel. As we know, we said that the Day of Atonement was not a happy day. It, all the other feasts are happy. This, one, this is one of the most joyous. There's, there's a, a, a great time. There's music and dancing and singing, and they remember God's great provision. So two things stand out as we look at the Feast of Tabernacles. It reminded the Jews of their time in the wilderness, God's provision and protection, but it was a foreshadow of the coming kingdom, Jesus Christ as the King of kings and Lord of lords and his eternal provision and protection, and not only just the kingdom, but even the eternal state, and we're going to talk about it as we go through. So let's, 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 let's start with this way. Well, one of the things, one of the truths that we find, and we saw it this morning even in the book of Revelation, is that God desires to deal with mankind. God is the creator. He spoke all things into being, but he didn't just create and leave alone. He actually has a desire to have a fellowship and a relationship with mankind. And so beginning in the garden with Adam and Eve, God dwelt with mankind. Let's think of some things for, as we get a little further up with the Jews. Think about this for them. He's, he was with them in the tabernacle as they wandered around. He was with them in the first temple. He was with them in the second temple. It was destroyed. There'll be an aspect of him being in that, not necessarily being in the tribulation temple because it's been built and Antichrist comes in there, but Jesus Christ in the eternal kingdom will dwell with men forever and ever. So God wants to be with us. This feast, the Feast of, of Tabernacles, deals with a time when the Jewish people were in the wilderness, when they lived in temporary places, but it was also a foreshadow of the coming of the Messiah. So there's a lot in this, and I think when we go through it, you'll, you'll kind of be excited about it. There's a lot there. We're seeing these feast days, and some are weekly, some are monthly, some are yearly. Here's what we did. We looked at the Passover. This is the yearly feast, and we saw that Jesus is the Passover lamb. It, it was a picture. They took that on the 14th day of the first month was Passover. Jesus died on Passover. He's the Passover lamb. Unleavened bread showed sinlessness. That was Jesus' life. The Feast of First Fruits was a picture of resurrection. Then we saw Pentecost, which was a mystery to them exactly how it fit together. But later on, the church began on the Feast of Pentecost, which was a mystery in the Old Testament. Then we saw the Feast of Trumpets, which was the new year and the gathering of the nation of Israel. A picture really of the trumpets blowing at the rapture and at the second coming. And then we saw last week the Day of Atonement. The great high priest would go in and, and uh, it was a covering for sin. But the picture was Jesus is our great high priest who pays for sin. And so we've been seeing all those up to this time. And then we got really 
one more, one more of the, the ones that are found in Leviticus 23. And then we're going to hit some other places, and I think some of the others are going to be even more exciting about how things fit together and why the Jewish people celebrated them. So let's talk about this one. This is called the Feast of Tabernacles. It has a number of names. It is called Tabernacles. Sometimes it's called Booths. Sometimes it's called the Ingathering. And sometimes it's called Succoth. And the, and the word sucketh means booth. And so it's the idea here that, uh, that, that there's temporary dwelling places. You remember when uh, Peter, James, and John went with Jesus on top of the Mount of Transfiguration? And there's Moses and Elijah, and Peter didn't know what to say. So he said, Lord, let me build three booths, tabernacles, one for Mo you, Moses, and Elijah. And, uh, and, Jesus, and all of a sudden, a cloud came over him, and the next thing they knew, there was nobody there except Jesus. But anyway, that's what a booth is. It's a, like a temporary little dwelling place. And so what you're going to find is Jewish people who maybe lived in homes in this eight-day time period, or really seven days, it starts and then one and eight, they would actually go find branches, leaves, put it up against something, maybe even against the side of their house, and, and then stay in that, spend, spend the night, live in that for eight days. But it was it was party, and it was that was the end of the of the harvest and everything, and there was dancing and celebration. So it was a great time. So let's look at Leviticus twenty three. Look at verse thirty three, and look what it says. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth of the seventh month is the feast of booth for seven days to the Lord." So here's what he says: On the fifteenth day of the seventh month is called the feast of booths or tabernacles or whatever however you want, want to look at it, and it's going to last. What for seven days. And then he says, uh, on the 15th day of the seventh month is the Feast of Booths, for seven days to the Lord. And then watch this. On the first day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work. What does that mean? On the first day, it's a what? Sabbath day. They don't have to do anything. Isn't that great? Wouldn't you like another day off? I mean, and guess what? During that week, those eight days, there's going to be another Sabbath which is whatever Sabbath, wherever, wherever it falls. Let's say that the, the, that day, the 15th day of the seventh month, started on a Thursday. Thursday, there's a Sabbath day, and then Saturday, there's a Sabbath day, and then at the end of this thing is another Sabbath day. So in eight days, they got three days off. Not counting living outside in, in, you know. And by the way, when this takes place, it's not usually cold, so it's not like they're freezing out there at all. This is early fall, and, and so it's a great time for them. And so look what it says. Speak to the sons of Israel. This is verse 34 again. On the 15th day of the seventh month is the feet of booze for seven days. On the first day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work. For seven days you present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day, what's going to happen? You shall have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is an assembly. You shall do no laborious work. And so they, seven days, offerings by fire, eighth day is a Sabbath. So the thing starts with a rest day and ends with a rest day. And, of course, in that seven-day time period, it's going to probably be another rest day. And so this is kind of a unique time. The harvest is brought in. Everybody's happy. Everything's been good. It's just been a special time. And, by the way, it says you shall offer sacrifices. If you've ever gone to, and f gone all the way through and read what sacrifices they offer, like on a certain day, like the first day it says, you shall offer this many bulls, this many lambs. And by the way, when it's all over, let me read it to you. Over this eight-day time period, they offer 70 bulls, 105 lambs, and 200 different other animals. That's a lot. 
day by day. They did it. They, uh, and if you ever want to, just go look up the Feast of Booths, go in the Bible and find it and, and read what they do every day. It's pretty incredible. And, and you know, one of the things you think about, when they offered a sacrifice, was it a good animal or a bad animal? It was, it was the best animal. They weren't sacrificing their bad ones like, oh, that, that animal's, you know, can't even walk or has something wrong with that animal or it has an ear messed up. or it has, They, they had to do the best. So they're sacrificing 70 of their best bulls, 105 of their best lambs. I mean, think, think about how they did it. So it was a time of joy and singing and dancing and music and everything. So it was a great time. Now, watch what, what, it, what they do. If you go on to verse 40, because they, they go through this whole thing. Look at verse 40. Now, on the first day, you shall take for yourselves the foliage, watch, of beautiful trees, palm branches, branches of trees with thick branches, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. They would take fruit trees, palm trees, branches from and trees and leaves, and willows, and they would bring those and make their booze, make their little houses, you might say make their temporary dwelling places out of all that, and they would put it together. Of course, sometimes some of you may have gone hunting or fishing or something and you built like a little lean-to you were going to be in or something like that. Well, that's what they did, but they did it, they did it for eight days. And we might say so, and, and look at verse 42. You shall live in booths for seven days. All the native-born in Israel shall live in booths. Why? So that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I mean, think about it. You live in booths for seven days. That's what this man, why? Because he had the, 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 it looks back to the time in the wilderness when God provided and protected. When, listen, have you thought about it? How many people came out with Moses? Let me ask you this question first. When the, the famine happened and Joseph was in Egypt, and then Pharaoh said, go get your family, the Jews. Go get your father and your family and come down here. How many Jews were there? Do you know how many came into Egypt? 75 people. 75. Do you know how many came out those 400 years later? Over 2 million. When they went in, they were a family. When they came out, they were a nation. And God took that to me. And think, think about this. 2 million people, at least, and what, how are you going to feed two million people in a wilderness? How are you gonna, what are you going to drink in the wilderness? How are you going to see where you're going in the wilderness? Uh, and the wilderness is not trees. The wilderness is just barren area. They're wandering around, and it started, and it was supposed to be, it was an 11-day journey from Mount Sinai to, to Kadesh Barnea, which is the south. They were supposed to be gone only 11 days and then enter the land. And because they refused to enter the land, they wandered for 40 years. Actually, 38 and a half years. They were a year and a half in. When they rejected, they went back and they wandered for 38 and a half more years to give them 40 years in the wilderness. How did they live? They had little booths. They had little places. They, they like set up sort of like tents. They set up whatever they had. And God says, I want you to remember what they went through. I want you to remember. He said, so you shall live in booths for seven days. All the native-born Israelites shall do that so that your generations, the people to come, may know that I had the sons of Israel, I brought them out of Egypt, and, and I let them live in booths when I brought them out of Egypt. Wow. Wow. Now let me ask you something. What 
Besides food, you know, what did God do in that wilderness? I want you to think about what did he give them? He gave them light and he gave them water, right? What was the light? That there was this pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day, and it was the light. And then how did they, how did they drink? How did they have water? There was this rock that followed them, by the way. You may not realize that, but 1 Corinthians tells us that the rock followed them. You remember the rock that he hit the first time? Then all the people were there, and, they're all, and he hits this rock, and water comes rushing out. That rock, according to 1 Corinthians and Paul, that rock is Christ. That's the rock. And that's why later on, when he got mad, and he was supposed to just speak to the rock, he hit it two or three times, and then the water came out. And that's, that, basically, he's hitting Jesus, okay? First time, it was okay. Okay, that's like Jesus being crucified. Second time, not supposed to hit him, okay? And that's why Moses messed up. And so, what did they have in the wilderness? They had the light, which is the pillar of fire, and the rock, which was the water. Now, let me tell you what they did when they got into the land, and they celebrated the Feast of Booths. Guess what? When they got together, and this is by the time, a little further on up, they had, either at the tabernacle or at the temple, they had these four large menorahs. What's a menorah? Y'all know what that is? It's like a big candlestick, except it's used. And they had four of them that lit. When the Feast of Booths happened, they brought out these four giant candlesticks with, you know, no telling how many on each side, probably six on each side, one in the middle for seven. And they lit them, and they had light during the Feast of the booths, okay? It reminded them of the fire in the presence of God, and God reminded them and provided the pillar of fire, which is light. Well, guess what? Jesus called himself. He's the what? He's the light of the world, isn't he? He's in John 8, 12, and John, and John 9, 5, he said, I'm the light of the world. And do you know that Jesus came to the Feast of Booths and said, I'm, I'm the light? And people didn't know what to say, because he, he said, I'm the light of the world. And they would say, well, but God is light. That's right. You remember the Gospel of John? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes down and it says, in him was life, and he is the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. So in the Feast of Booths, they had light. Jesus Christ comes, and what does he call himself? The light. And then here's something else that you will love. Every morning... In the Feast of Tabernacles, a priest would get a silver bucket, silver jar, basically, and a pitcher, and he would go to the water, dip in, come back to the temple area, and pour the water out. What did Jesus do when he came? Do you remember the Feast of, of Booze? Uh, everybody was supposed to go to the Feast of Booze. And Jesus told his brothers, because his brothers said, you know, if you really want to be famous, you need to go to the Feast of Booths and let everybody see you. And Jesus said, well, I'm not really looking for fame. But anyway, he said, y'all go ahead. I'm not going. But it wasn't that he wasn't lying. He wasn't lying. He was just saying, at this point, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something different. And then he went. And in the middle of the feast, in which the, the priest is doing all this, he's talking about being the light. But on the last day, watch what happens on the last day. We're going to see God provided the rock, who is the rock, Jesus. And then, and then look, on the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood and cried out, look what he says. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. This is the last day. He says, I'm the water. I'm the water from the livermost being. So he is the light 
that they've already seen because they had the menorahs. And he comes and says, I'm the light of the world. And then every morning, the priest would go out, take the water and pour it out and say, God provided us water. And Jesus comes up on the last day and says, if you're really thirsty, I'm the water. I'm the living water. If you're really thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from an innermost being will flow the living water. That's what he is. He's the rock. He's the light. He's the water. If anyone thirsts, he says, come get living water. The gospel of John tells that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. We have a booklet that has the gospel of John and the, and the gospel message in it. What's that booklet called? Living Waters. They're out on that table out there. You can get as many as you want. We just got an order of 10,000 books in. They don't call, listen, don't think we spent your money, okay, they're, for 10,000 of those. Uh, they're free. A person pays all the money all over the world for those to be shipped all over the world. Somebody has already paid for every bit of it. So we don't, only thing we ever, in fact, we've never even paid for the shipping. They just get them to us. The last time they came, they came in a big truck, and we brought them out, and it was 10,000 living waters. What are we supposed to do with those things? Are you picking them up? Are you using them to, to share your faith, to just tell them or tell somebody, hey, read this book. Look what it'll tell you about Jesus Christ. So this feast, when, when they looked at this feast, it looked back to the wilderness time when they lived in the tents or they lived in the booths, and God provided the fire, the light, and God provided the water. But Jesus says, hey, I am the light, and I am the living water. It not only looked back to that, and Jesus says, I'm the light of the... It actually looked forward as well. It looked forward to the time of the kingdom, to the eternal state, in which there's going to be uh, the, the millennial kingdom and then the eternal state. And um, that's what we saw that in Revelation 19, Revelation chapter 20. But look at this. Look what Zechariah says. Zechariah, Zechariah 14, chapter 16. It will come about... That anyone who's, uh, that any who are left of all the nations that went up against Jerusalem, this is, will go up from year to year to worship the king. This is during the kingdom, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate, guess what? The Feast of Booths. In the millennial kingdom, the, there's going to be law. The Jewish people will offer sacrifices in the millennial kingdom. We just didn't bring all that out, but there's going to be a, a, a system if you read Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48, there's the dimensions of the temple that will be built during the kingdom and the sacrifices. Now, the sacrifices have nothing to do with sin. They're just covering. It's just, basically, it's a memorial for what Jesus has already done. But guess what? Everybody in the kingdom is going to celebrate the Feast of Booths. And then what about the eternal state? Now, remember, the Feast of Booths highlighted two things. It highlighted the light and it highlighted the water, right? Because the rock gave the water. This is the eternal state. Revelation 21.3. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. He shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God will be with them. He's going to be among them. And watch what we see. The light. Revelation 22.5. And there will no longer be any night, and they will not need the need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun. Why? Because the Lord God will illumine them and they shall reign forever and ever. Jesus is going to be the light for all eternity. But it's not over. What about the water? 
Revelation 21, 6, he said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. And we're going to see in Revelation 22, verse 1, that there is this water of life coming from the throne of God. Wow. So when we think about this feast, not only does it look back when the Jewish people were wandering around and lived in booths and God gave them the light and the water, and then at the time of Jesus when he celebrated it, he said, I'm the light and I'm the water. And then on into the future, in the eternal state, Jesus Christ is going to be the light and the living water. So let me give you some applications before we go to our classes, uh, to groups. Let's understand that the Feast of Tabernacles remembers God's provision for Israel in the wilderness. That's what he did. Now, I, I, I think we don't understand this. You have, a, you have two million people in one big group wandering around. How are you going to feed them? How are they going to get water? Do you know, it, you don't, don't picture this little hit the rock and a little hose, you know, and you're going, okay, hey, you're going to get some water. Yeah, okay, next. Two million of you will come up here and drink of this. No, no, no. It's a river. It becomes a river. And the rock follows them. And anytime they needed water, their water came like a river in the middle of the wilderness. So the two million people could drink and their animals could drink. and they're gonna, It wasn't like a little hose coming out the side of a wall. You just got to understand that. And, and how, how did two million people eat every day? Every morning they woke up. What did they find on the ground? Manna. And what does manna mean? It means, what is it? They went, what is it? And they went, manna, manna. What is it? It's the Hebrew for what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. God said, eat it. And they ate it. And they said, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. You know, we can do a lot with this. And you know, it was supposed to be for a short period of time. And after 40 years, you know what you say about that? You go, that isn't that good. You know, we've eaten it for 40 years. And, and they got manna all the way till they got into the promised land. Then it stopped. And there were times that God would bring birds in. level. They could knock them down and then eat them. Quail. quail, yeah. And that's what he did. God provided for Israel in the wilderness. What will he do for us today? My God shall supply all your needs according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. Should we have to worry about anything? He provides everything. He's the provider and the protector. The second thing. Understand that the Feast of Tabernacles is a foreshadow of the Messianic kingdom and the eternal state. Not only does it look back, and even what I love about this is you look back and you see them wandering in the wilderness and the light and the rock and the water. And then when Jesus comes and he comes to the Feast of Tabernacles, which reminded them of all that, he says, I'm the light and I'm the water. That's what you got in the wilderness. You got me right now. I am the one. But this also is a foreshadow of the Messianic kingdom and the eternal state. And we just saw this. What happens in the eternal state? In the book of Revelation 22, 5, there's the light. And he says, there'll no longer be any night. And they shall not need the light of a lamp. We just did these verses while ago. I just wanted you to see it again. Not the light of the sun, because the Lord God shall illumine them. He's the light. And then there'll be the water. Revelation 21, 6, you never thirst from the spring of the water of life without cost. Wow, it is so uh, amazing. We might need to realize that God, I think I have another slide, don't I? Yeah, the light, uh, never dark, water, never thirst. Jesus Christ is our provider 
and protectors. So the next time you think about the feast and they lived out in little tents and things, realize it was all talking about Jesus, who is the light of the world and who is the living water. That's who he is.